What's going on guys? Welcome to the Phonic Files. This is pretty much going to be some sort of like quote unquote album club. Kind of like a book club, but it's more going to be we take a guest and we talk about an album that means a lot to them and has influenced them in some way, shape, or form. So today, well, first, my name is Ben. New to this whole podcast thing, so this first one might be garbage. I apologize in advance. I'm joined today by my buddy Jay. What's up, Jay? Yo, what's up? How's it going? It's going pretty great, man. So, even though obviously I know you, just for the people out there, yeah. um, what what what's your background musically? Like, you play music? You make music? Uh, yeah, I have been. I played trumpet in a band for about eleven years. First chair for most of that time. Um. I currently make music uh under the 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 persona or whatever the hell it is stage name of uh under yeah stage name of underscore j underscore uh and I mean I've was I mean I've loved music for forever as long as I can remember so yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that's my background <laughs> I mean pretty pretty <laughs> standard pretty standard you know yeah, standard band kid, you know. Standard band nerdy fucking weeb. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yep, anyway, so yeah. T- so today we're looking at an album by Electric Light Orchestra. We'll go ahead and give a little bit of background on them. They were formed in, in uh, 1970 in Birmingham, England. And to date, they have 15 studio albums, 8 live, 15 compilations. They have over 50 million album sales. 19 CRIA certifications, 21 RRI certifications, and 38 BPIs. So we're going to look at, today we're going to look at um, one of the compilation albums. We're going to look at All Over the World, the very best of ELO. So this, yep. this album is what we, basically what I did is I got a group of friends. And this whole thing started as my, just an, a little bit of an idea that I had. So we took this, I took this idea and I kind of went, went to a group of my friends that I know very much love music. And I was like, look, here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's, here's a doc I need you to make a list of albums that have meant, that mean a lot to you, that inspiring you to either make music or just got you more into music or just in some way, shape, or form influenced you and pretty much, or like personality or whatever about you. So this one is actually one of Jasper's albums, one of Jay's albums. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so today this, this is the one we're going to look at. So, um... Jasper, why don't you tell me a little bit of your 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 relationship with e- with Electric Light Orchestra and this album specifically? Like who? How? Like well, how did you discover this artist? Well, I can say that one of the reasons that I that I even chose you know the compilation right instead of uh, a singular album, you know, like like uh, Face the Music or you know whatever was simply because like this is how it was introduced to me right like back when i was 
I don't know, like eight years ago, right? I was 13 and, you know, I was just starting to really get into music, you know, like before then, yeah, I had, I had, uh, I had played in band since I was seven. Um, and I listened to some music, not a lot, but I was really getting into the, the pop era and I was just really not finding like, like a lot of, I don't know. I've, I've always had like this attraction to really like well thought out music, you know, and like music that really made you feel something. Mm -hmm. Um, and that once I had started getting into just music in general, my mom started pulling out all these old albums that she wanted me to hear. Right. And so this one, I'm not sure how it started, but I think the first one I heard was uh, Mr. Blue Sky, mm. not knowing who ELO was mm. at all before then. And it was, I think they had played it on the radio because this was like a year after ELO had released their uh, their 2012 re remaster album where, where uh, Jeff Lynne had completely re-recorded a bunch of their hits on... Uh, an album I think was called Mr. Blue Sky. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they were playing that remake of Mr. Blue Sky on the radio. And it sounded new to me because like, you know, usually when I, at that time, when I thought of music that had been made like <laughs> in the seventies, right. You would think, you know, you would, you would hear that in the recording. But with, with that, I was, it was surprising to me that they were, a band from the seventies. Like it didn't seem dated. Mm. Like it didn't sound dated to me. And so I was like, okay, wow, this is really great. Like the, like I couldn't there, I had been, I had started to become so like, um, so critical of music, you know, about music I liked and music I didn't like. And that song just, there was, it was like nothing I had heard before. And so my mom showed me more and more because she used to be back. She used to be in the ELO, you know, back in the seventies when she was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so then she gave me like the CD of this album. And I, I listened to that on repeat because <laughs> <laughs> like every, there was not a single song on there. I mean, there, there, yeah, there are a couple that aren't like as great as the others, but the whole album was like it was mesmerizing to me. Like, I love, I've always loved orchestra music a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, part of my upbringing, my grandma, you know, she was really into orchestra music. I got, uh, I, I got talked to all the time about, you know, all the different composers, the classical composers, some of the newer ones, and like that them and their sound of mixing orchestra and some of those really retro 70s uh synthesizers and vocals and all those things just created something that you know me being born in 2000 you know i had never heard anything like that you know yeah you didn't you don't grow up with those sounds those sounds are completely new so it's as if i had listen to it for the first time like anybody else uh had way back when it was released and 
I mean, honestly, so much of the complexity and like musically to me and has just been such an inspiration for a lot of things that I do now when I make music. Cause I, even then I didn't make music, you know, I was just a, a part of a band. I didn't really like write music, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like the, uh, it just, it just impacted me how much work went into it, you know, mm-hmm. like, and how much thought and yet at the same time, it was really simple, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, it's all, it's all tied into, you know, at least now, since it was eight years ago, it's really like the nostalgia for me too. Mm-hmm. Cause I used to listen to it on like trips and, you know, just every day, you know, it was one of the only, like I've had several different like things <laughs> to play music on. Like I didn't always have a phone, you know, I would have an MP3 player or, you know, my iPod or whatever. And, uh, I would always have yellow on it. Mm. Like that was like a, that was a default. <laughs> it was kind of like so, your life soundtrack for a very short period of time. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it really was. It, it, it made me happy, you know, but, but yeah. So yeah, that's my, that's my history of it. That's how I got, I have started. a mostly kind of similar one, but go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, I was, I was just going to say mostly, mostly my mom and my uncle, they were both very mm. into it and I helped. And I spent time with him a lot. Mm. So, yeah, for me it was. I think either my first introduction was, well, one from my dad. My dad has influenced my taste in music more than he will ever realize. Right. <clears throat> Excuse. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, my dad influenced my music my music taste from a very early age. In fact, the first band I remember being like, I love this band with all of my heart and soul was fucking kiss of all bands. It was kiss. <laughs> like, I don't know what it was. It, you know, at that time huh. I was, you know, about eight. So it was very much yeah. the, just this. I don't know if it, cause I wasn't very obviously musically into music more. It was very much a, I guess they looked cool. <laughs> you know, these big fucking yeah. dudes it with was, like was huge, it was like this, like what Gene Simmons with his fucking axe base, you know, Ace yeah, Frehley was, was there. The whole with, aesthetic, exactly. The whole aesthetic of the band is just—it was just intriguing to me, I guess. So that was the first band I really remember, like really being like, "Holy shit!" And then not long after that, I was in, my dad got me into ELO. He, I think, similar to you, it was probably Mr. Blue Sky. Yeah, it, it wasn't like I also didn't just didn't hear it growing up. I just guess I just didn't pay attention to it up until that point. Yeah, it was probably the same for me. I I, I may not have like really thought about it that much, mm-hmm. but I may have heard it before. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was like it was something like Mister Blue Sky Telephone Line. I actually mm-hmm. think it was all it might it was probably all over the world. That's I I have a very distinct memory of that song. Which is shocking coming from someone who's had multiple concussions and very shitty memory. <laughs> so I think, my, I, yeah. I, but I, it's the one I have a very distinct memory of, you know? Right, right. So I think that was like, it just kind of went from there. And then I, not long after I first heard a couple, you know, their main hits, you know, like Telephone Line, Turn to Stone, uh, All mm-hmm. Over the World, Mr. Blue Sky, stuff like that. Last Train to London is another one. I love that one. Oh yeah, man! I really wish that song was on this album. Really, yeah. 
it deserves the Man. it deserves a spot the very best it, it's it does masterclass literally any Absolutely. just side note literally anything you could pick a go from a fucking hat and pick an elo song and be a masterclass in songwriting <laughs> i mean yeah yeah there's there yeah mm. yes i'll save some of my words for for, for, for in a minute yeah <laughs> yeah but, uh, it's like not long after i think i remember i saw xanadu for the first time mm-hmm. obviously that entire soundtrack is yellow right. yeah sure there's different singers on it because it was a movie it's like and the characters obviously had to sing but the instrumentals were all elo a couple of songs are just yep. are just elo and jefflin's beautiful fucking voice singing on it that's something else I love. Is, yeah. EL, is Jeff Lynn has a beautiful voice. Oh yeah, no, his his voice completely. He carries so, so many mm-hmm, of those tracks, mm-hmm. just from his expression, like his, the infliction of his words and how he pronounce and how he puts like the emphasis he puts on them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, it's like I I heard, I I had watched Anadu. Obviously, uh, it's one of my favorite movies now. I mean, I don't remember the dude's lead, the lead dude, whatever his character or whatever the fuck the actor's name is. I don't remember, but he's, he carried like suddenly he carried him and like, I love Olivia Newton, John to death. He carried that fucking song. Like really he did. And, but like, obviously that also simultaneously introduced me to Olivia Newton, John, which we'll get into at some point, probably. (laughs) So yeah, that's my biggest that I can recall early influence or discovery of ELO. And honestly, right. it's not, it's something that I'm really glad I discovered because, because of how vast and how malleable just their entire band structure is. Mm-hmm. It, it's obviously been able to open your ears to a lot of things because there's not, it's not oh, just yeah. like there's, you know, power chords or like all acoustic guitars and, and like, jazz drums you know or like my like very light drums it's like they cover everything right. from literal ballads to hard rock masterpieces early exactly. examples of hard rock yeah <laughs> I, I i really do love their diversity it really i mean i didn't i didn't think about it like back when uh back when i first listened to it and i really liked it you know sometimes especially like before you start making music you don't really think about like how it's made yeah or like all the variants of it but really it is so diverse and it's really it really makes it really enjoyable especially in in that compilation because like you know me i i love so i can't i i could probably name like <laughs> i could be probably number the uh genres of music that i don't like on one hand exactly <laughs> you know it's what i mean same thing for me <laughs> yeah it's it's so it's because like you said they're diverse they're so diverse and they're able to cover multiple things in one song even yeah yeah and they do it all well yeah they're I mean, very good with their smooth trance like they can do on like i don't know what's not, what's one that does that like a really good example of that um like which song yeah is a good example of transition um, well, I mean, you got to think about it like, uh, Mr. Blue Sky, even it oh, has, it has, that. it has a lot of the weird, like the, just the piano intro, you know, the bass, yeah. the bass and rock that, drumming, and then it gets to the bridge, which is like Vocaloid. Yeah. 
and that that some that little like transition towards the end where it just becomes like a almost like a operatic, you know? Oh yeah, it really just goes and into it's, all its fullness it's, with the orchestra and everything, and that it's seamless. Yeah, it's like you would. It's like you would never know that was recorded in two in probably in two different sessions. You would think it was all one. Yeah, they're very good. Well, I mean that that's just that's just good songwriting. Good songwriting, I mean, good recording, great yeah, technique. Very good pull. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of am like like nowadays when I look back, I'm like some of the bands I used to really fucking love. I'm like, man, I was really I had a really shitty taste in music, but then I look at it from both <laughs> perspectives of I have a really sh- I had a really shit taste in music to now I'm I look at it like. Yeah, sure, these bands are garbage, but I wouldn't be listening to what I'm listening to now without those bands, right? Right, right. But yeah. even through all You're that, right. ELO's has been a staple. Like, not in a yeah. negative way, because obviously I, I love ELO, but they've been such a staple, and I've never had a... I've never... Well, I've heard, almost never heard a bad song by ELO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, every band's got their got their moments, but... yeah. I think I, I the thing is though they're great ones they're like really good ones you don't get tired of them yeah at least for me like like I could listen to any of them over and over again for you know the past years and years you know and I, I still wouldn't get tired of them I'd still like get chills from you know strange magic or telephone line mm. like any day I still get chills from both of those songs yeah I mean, well, I mean, when I was when I was listening to these before we started recording, like I was, yeah, I was, I was surprised that I was getting affected as much as I did. But mm. it's, yeah, it's really powerful. And I, I mean, I don't know. I think it just might be the fullness of the sound that makes it powerful. Yeah, it's yeah. like if it was, it's, it's, if it's, it's, it's like the thing for me is like obviously I'm not comparing them stylistically or genre wise, but like. Look at like the Ramones, right? Uh-huh. Four-piece punk band from New York could fill an entire room with with sound with four dudes, and ELO does the same thing. Fills an entire room of sound with like five, five or six core dudes and an entire fucking orchestra behind them. Yeah, I've even noticed sometimes in their in their live performances, sometimes it's just like two cellos and a violinist, and, but they still fill the whole it's- room. Yeah, and they still get that huge sound. I mean, like, that's just... I think that any band that can turn around, no matter how many members, any band that could turn around, take the simplicity of having a small band, like, let's just use, for example, you know, let's just use a modern band. Let's use 21 Pilots. Just an example, right? Mm -hmm. Two dudes. That's it. Sure, they use tracks, but with those two dudes, they can fill a room with a very minimal amount of tracks. A piano, sometimes a, u- or a, ba- a ukulele or a bass, and drums. And they can fill yeah. a room. I think that regardless of people saying, like a, a lot of people in circles I'm in currently musically, are like, you need a big band to, fill, to make it sound huge. And I'm like, no, you don't. You can, have two, you can have a guitarist, a bassist, and a drummer, and it'll sound fucking huge. Yep. It's all about your technique and your songwriting and your layering and you know a lot of it really as as far as like my experience I don't know if this is true but a lot of it is just unison 
You know, mm-hmm. a lot of it's very much uh, just knowing that every piece has its place and letting it shine in some way. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, no, I mean, the ELO does that flawlessly. I mean, yeah, and I mean, it's and it's something especially I especially in the yeah. I mean, but especially in the time that they did it. I mean, you know, you think about it, like what recording and editing software did you have in the 70s? You didn't. Tape decks and like, a mixing yeah. console. Yeah, and and yet still in that time, they were doing things that artists do today almost exactly. like yeah. perfectly. <laughs> like effects on voices and things like that, like that sound like they were made in a computer. Mm-hmm. That's how good they are. <laughs> Like, and nothing and, was digital back then. No, I mean synthesizers, yeah, but like no, even then they were editing. They, no, synthesizers were analog. Yeah, everything was all analog back then. Yeah, you're right. You're there right. There was yeah. barely anything digital that could be done because there was nothing that like the technology wasn't there. Yeah, all pedal boards and all, all the decks. guitar pedals were all physical. Were all analog. Nothing digital yeah. was was used, especially in the creation of, you know, these songs. Because you know this this album, this you know, all over the world, has you know songs from their first album to their newest at the time album. Yeah, right. It it's and it's you can't tell which that song like you said earlier, they don't sound like they're from the seventies. No, it's it's yeah, master that, that, that engineering. was so surprising. Yeah, it it it's it's just it is so crazy to me because like I feel like so much music, uh, like especially music that was in uh, the pop scene, you know, mm-hmm. like I feel like some of theirs was, can get dated so quickly. You know, it can it can feel like it was from an era just because of how it sounds. Mm-hmm. You know, or like you said, how it's recorded and how it's mastered. Um, but somehow they they achieved a sound that's almost timeless, you know? Yeah, and you you know, and I think that, there's only two other artists I could think of that can that mastered that. Michael Jackson and Prince. What's that? Hmm. There's well I won't say all of their material. <laughs> But a good, a good like. <laughs> I was about to say some of well, those things. Let's, let's do. Let's some do those this. not so much. Let's do Purple Rain. Let's think about. Uh-huh. Let's take Purple Rain and let's take Thriller, or Bad. You know, one of Michael Jackson's most popular albums. Mm-hmm. Comparing even comparing yeah, to I... today's pop music, they sound like they came out yesterday. Yeah, yeah sure. Every song it might not sound like that, but the song, but. The majority of the songs sound like they came out yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah, for it, sure. It's a lot of dating, and honestly, the something that's really weird is that let's take a band kind of similar to ELO. Let's take Toto, right? Obviously, right. memehood gods with Africa, but then you take <laughs> besides you take that if you ignore that song for its memehood, and you t- look at their entire catalog, this shit sounds dated, obviously. They were in, yeah. you know, it sounds manufactured, quote unquote, because they were studio musicians before they started the right, band. Right. Obviously, it's not a bad, bad thing. But, you know, so it's it's like, yeah, sure, uh-huh. it might sound manufactured be- for, because of that. 
And sure, it might sound dated, but much like ELO, even though ELO never will sound dated to me, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. They can. It, it, it's the same same effect. Same same thing. We'll shoot back with Michael Jackson and Prince. They could fill a room. That the sound. Oh, yeah. To jump back to that point too, the sound is there, and I think it's just when you look at like Toto, compared to you know Michael Jackson, Prince, and an ELO, the engine it's 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 not a obviously you know this the engineering world is vast. It's oh, yeah. hu- it's Definitely. fucking huge. So obviously yeah. they're not and even with ELO, not every album is gonna sound the same because it's different engineers. Right. And it's very it's so it's like it, even though it's so vast, somehow Michael Jackson, Prince, and ELO have all managed to sound but brand new fresh music they all they like they're all their music sounds fresh even if it's you know 30 40 years old yeah and i just think that's fucking impressive especially at the time like as like we've been saying everything all did all analog analog tape mm-hmm. decks you want delay you gotta splice the tape <laughs> you know it's it's yeah. it's weird it's 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 so that's crazy. It's so mind blowing that it can that it can sound so new for being recorded on on analog technology. Yeah, it's it's so comparable to like watching old movies, you know, like like the original Ghostbusters, you know, in comparison to like the you know the Ghostbusters in twenty sixteen, you know, mm-hmm. in twenty sixteen you think yeah it's all CGI, right? You know, it's all it's it there's nothing special about it. But like back in the eighties, right? They're literally, you know, filming a puppet and then projecting it onto some film, or not into some film, but like some reflective material. It's like the the analog process or the physical process. It you don't even think about it, and that's what makes it good. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the movie comparison, so I want to bring another one up. Yeah. So. This is going to be a slight tangent. At least his very first sentence will be. One of my favorite <laughs> movies ever made is The Thing. The John Carpenter film, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Not just because the acting is phenomenal. You know, you got um, Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah. You know, you, it's not, like, it's yeah. not just because you got Kurt Russell and Wolf of Brimley. You know, <laughs> phenomenal actors have been in so many amazing wrong. movies, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. When you look at the thing, it's a pretty basic story, right? Mm-hmm. You know, these dudes are trapped in it, are in Antarctica with this alien that's gonna, that's literally going to try to, t- that's gonna try and take over the world. You know, pretty basic, typical seventies sci-fi thing, right? Right. And it's so weird when you look at it and you think every single effect in that movie was done practically all analog. Yep. And I think. Yeah, I I think it's the same thing with ELO, like can we, obviously obviously I'm gonna compare it with it. Like they took this, they could take this really basic thing, like we'll take Mr. Blue Sky, like their most popular song, right? Right. What's it about? The sky's fucking blue and there ain't a damn cloud in sight. Mm-hmm. Really basic, really simple songwriting, really simple song structure, stuff like that. But they yeah. take that and they can. I really love going back to this point of them sounding huge because they really do. Oh yeah, they sound huge with all analog stuff. 
And I think that's wild. And I really hate that we keep coming back to this point, but it's such an impressive <laughs> feat for this band. I think it deserves to be I talked mean, about. It, it is. I mean, yeah. The the more the more that I get into digital production, you know, since I I'm for people who don't know, I use Logic Pro. I'm like self-taught a lot of a lot of what I do is just experiment experimenting and learning through experience. I couldn't imagine doing any of this on analog because so much of it is just so much of what you have to do at that time is just, uh, you know, you have, oh, excuse me, you'd have to have a plan. Like there's no way you can experiment, but so much because it's expensive. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's expensive to keep cutting up, uh, you know, tapes. It's, it's expensive to be, you know, renting out studios, you know, it's not like they had all of this equipment at their house or, you know, but yet again, they got it down this perfect and made this sound in that time that even kids today, like there are kids who who in that band would have thought that 30 to 50 years later, people would still be singing their songs. Exactly. Or they would be putting their songs in movies. Mm-hmm. Or any of that. I mean. Who would have thought that would have a lasting impact on modern culture? Yeah. It's kind of funny. This is turning more into an artist review than a. (laughs) It really is, but I I think it still fits with it, truthfully. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You know, it's a compilation album, so it's like the best of We kind of have to talk. There's a lot we have to talk about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But speaking of. I do think we should probably jump into some of the songs that we chose to specifically talk about. All right. Sounds good. So, to me. um, obviously we have four. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, how about we just go, let's go in order of the, of the album, you know? Let's All just right. Go with, so uh, it's what, which one's is first? It Horace Wimford? It's either Horace Wimford turned to sound, but we'll just do the list that I have written down. We'll do that. Sure. Wow. So let's, let's, <laughs> Man, this is going real weird. <laughs> uh, yep, yep, yep. So let's start we're, with... We're, we're making it through. We got we it. We got this. Uh, excuse So let's start with um, the Diary of Horace Wimp. So right. what's one thing that you wrote down about specifically that you love, that you enjoy about listening to Horace Wimp? Well, I, I can distinctly remember the first time i heard that song mm-hmm. right like like i said it was like i was either 13 or 12 one of those doesn't matter but you were I was on a trip yeah and i you know it sounds so strange like it's it's so weird to have a song from like a from a third person perspective like that song is mm-hmm you know you don't you don't hear that very often and i don't i think that might be the only song on that album that has that kind of like writing lyrically mm. you know where it's talking about someone else you know it's a, and it's, not about it's, yourself. it's a story driven song it's not yeah. a personal story driven song like right and I, I think i think that's it's also very i don't know if it was like very common in that time to have songs that told stories, but it's it was very, it's very different from a lot of modern uh, mm. uh, lyric writing. You know, 
and I think I think a lot of ELOs like their whole aesthetic, their whole uh, their orchestral uh, feeling, and their fullness, and their experimentation with a lot of different instruments. That was another thing I really liked about this song. Um, they all lend to a uh, to a very storytelling feeling. Anyway, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a very like, it's it's so. a very folk-esque way approach we'll say a very folk-esque approach to songwriting because you know you yeah. can go listen to like you know the songs that would be like let's go about with bob dylan you know a very prominent folk uh-huh. writer he would constantly write songs in like a weird third person perspective and it wasn't because yeah. it was like oh he wants to tell he wants he doesn't like writing about himself because he's written about he's written first person songs but it's just it was very much that's that approach the, the at that time you know folk was a huge thing and then fucking right. hendrix came around and said nah folk nah <laughs> it's it was it was a very yeah. not normal typical thing at the time which yeah. obviously this was you know 50s 60s not 70s right, right, right. but i think it's very it's still a oh, very still. <laughs> a couple decades you know close enough yeah Whatever. <laughs> I wasn't born then, so... I wasn't born. I wouldn't even have thought my nog just in dad's head. <laughs> but yeah. yeah it's it's yeah, a no, very I... folk approach to it. And I think that's yeah. very characteristic of this song specifically. It kind of adds to it. Because, again, I it, did write kinda, that down, too. That's, the, that's, that's a very yeah. story-driven song. It, it kind of reminds me of Hey Jude a little bit, you know? Yeah, how in that song they never say the word I. It's always yeah. written from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. But I mean, hey, I like this song better than Hey Jude. So. I like I like ELO more than I like the Beatles. Controversial, I know, oh, but yeah. I fucking hate, I I love I love ELO. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> ELO is better than the Beatles. I, don't care. I agree. Uh, but I mean, I know I've heard I like I've I've heard people review uh, ELO and compare them to the Beatles a lot and say they have a Beatles sound, but I don't I don't know I don't agree with that. Well, I think that's I, obviously I think. they have a beat they have definitely sure they have copy Beatles the same elements sounds, but it's not they're yeah. not the Beatles. No, you can't compare two different styles of band. And no. honestly, I can I won't even put ELO in a genre, even though most people say they're classic rock. I wouldn't put them in a genre. Because Beatles no, are classic. I wouldn't either. Because Beatles are classic rock, and all of their fucking songs sound the same. Yeah, I, the only way I could say that ELO was even classic rock is just if you, you know that one, uh, that one song, "Hold On Tight to Your Dreams," I think is what it's called. That's very classic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one is like the if all of their songs sounded like that, yes, I would say that. But Rock Aria is another one. It, it, yeah, Rock Aria. Yeah, I agree. They. That that those ones sound dated to me, but yes. not in the, not dated in that era that they were in. You know that sounds like fifties music. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or you know, rock and roll, which is weird. What rock and roll overlay to them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, exactly. Those uh, they they don't sound like they don't even sound like the era that they came from. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, that was that was a big tangent. But anyway, um. <laughs> The uh, about back to Horace Wimp. Uh, I think again, going back to the the whole analog situation, uh, a lot of the vocal effects that they used to really create contrast in the story, you know, 
to not only uh, add to the to the atmosphere of the song, you know, with the like whenever the the voice from above or whatever came down and have that like really huge echo and have it so different from the uh, Jeff Lynne's normal singing voice. Mm-hmm. Really, like we're that that made me really really like it and always having those, uh, you know, whenever um they would say the name the name of the day yeah with the vocoder you know and those were the only times that the vocoder would ever come in yeah that was that was, that was really like even though it's all jeff lynn right it really does uh create that contrast between those voices you know using jeff lynn's as the major uh almost as if he himself is horace wimp from the third perspective <laughs> You know, from the yeah. third person, I mean. And then there's the voice from above, and then there's the the vocoded uh, vocals that he did that are tracking the days as the song goes on. Yeah. So I think the vocal work was just really good in that. Mm-hmm. And you said mo- we, we, we talked about the three, three of my big points that I have, like about Horace Wimp, but I think the mm-hmm. one that I think you'll agree because plays into all of them is the layering that's on that song. Like you would never guess Uh, on first listen that there's at least 15 tracks. No, you would never, it's, I mean, you would never guess, especially without like, again, to hop back to the analog with analog, you (laughs) wouldn't guess that there was 15 tracks on that song. At least no, there's, it's so in depth. And I think to hop back to the huge point of how, of the huge sound, it's how they get their sound. They layer so yeah. much on every. They layered on every single song. And there's there's no other way that they they could have pulled off a song like that, and gotten it like as big as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, because if it was, I feel like it would be almost like uh, comparable to like that song. Oh man, what is it called? You know the the once I was seven years old. Whatever. Oh, that song seven is. years. Yeah, that that it's a very similar idea, but even in that song, they do some of the the some very similar things. You know, they add a lot of orchestra to make it feel full, to make the story, you know, to make you feel the story and not just hear it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, ELO did it first. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's but it's wild how much you don't expect. Uh, there to be so many layers to songs. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like I'm gonna hop back yeah. to 21 Pilots again because I think, in a way, they're kind of a modern ELO, even though they're two they're two dudes. Because mm-hmm. again, or like they do they do a lot of the same techniques that ELO did, and that's why they sound so huge, even even in their softer stuff and their pop, more poppy stuff, and not their deep cuts on their back catalog. They sound fucking massive because there's so much different layering going on. Yeah, and I think that's fucking wild that they can get that much layering done and get that much sound out of it with mm-hmm. two dudes using logic that obviously yep. Yellow didn't have access to at that time. But same point still mm-hmm. stands that very limited tool set, huge sound. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so we covered Horus. 
Yeah. Check mark. Nice we'll Strange magic. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So I want to start. This one. Oh, go ahead. Mm. No, I, I was just going to say this one for me and like my family is kind of controversial. I'm the only one of us that likes it a lot. Mm. But anyway, you, you go ahead though. So no, the first ahead. thing that I really love it, which it also is very much with the layering point from Hor- that I brought up with Horace Wimp. Oh. Excuse me. There's almost no audible electric guitar in Strange Magic. It's almost all acoustic. Yeah. And I think that's fucking insane. That with what? I'm trying to think. When they do it live, you know, they're not using tracks either. They don't, they play at all. It's, I'm thinking there's what? Right. With what they do live, there's three acoustics, three or four acoustics playing, and there's one electric. I think it's great that with, you know, four acoustic guitar tracks and one electric track, you know, and string, synth, drums, bass, but all the vocals, they sound massive, especially with acoustic. The guitars sound huge on that song, and they're not electric. (laughs) I think, and not even in a like, uh, like an overwhelming way. I think it's a very soft song. It's a very soft, ways. yet powerful song. I'd say. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Gets stuck in my head a lot. I'll tell you that. I feel on that one. Hell, even talking yeah. about it, I, I just hear. Got a yeah. strange magic. That's all I hear. Exactly. It's such an earworm, but in the best way possible. Yeah, and that that was one thing that I wrote down. I said that that uh, the uh, the chord progression in that song is like, it, I I don't like mean this in a negative way, but it's it's repetitive, but in a way where it doesn't get old. Yeah, you know, because it, it's just it's a it's a it's it's so worth being repeated. Yeah, and that I think I that just... with chord, like with with how the song is written. I think that with that, like, especially with things like obviously with all the choruses, vocally, vocal perform like vocal wise and lyrically, they're identical, right? Because it's a chorus, it needs to be identical. Oh yeah, yeah. But here's something I noticed, which kind of brings me to my next point: the harmonies in that song are immense, especially on the choruses. Mm. Yeah, they really make it. And but I noticed something, even listening to it now. If I as because like like me and you said, it gives us chills every time. Yeah. It's even now I've noticed different different harmonies are highlighted in each chorus. It's not just the mm-hmm. the lead line of Jeff Lynn. It'll be ever it'll be ever anybody else's. Mm. Which even though at that point they're probably all Jeff. Yeah, Lynn, but yeah. You know what? Now that I think about it, yeah, that that's you're right about that. There, it's it's very subtle. And truthfully, I think it was a mistake, but I think it is one of the yeah. best musical mistakes I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I was about to say it might have been unintentional, but God, that uh, it does make it. It may, it it really, it, it, it really adds to it because it's not like you're listening to it and the only thing you hear the whole time is got a strange magic. You know, it's you're hearing the, one, the harmonies. Yeah. And the one thing I really, really do like is while there are the harmonies going on in the chorus too mm-hmm. and even in the verses there's a lot of like really tight unison 
with all the rest of the instruments. Oh yeah. You know? The the strings and the the keyboard and the guitar, you know, especially in that that beginning uh, riff before the verses start, you know that. You know that, mm-hmm. and everything is in sync so well. And and again, it is harmony, yeah, but the rhythmic uh, unison is what I'm talking about. That that really makes those parts really interesting to listen to and really soothing you know yeah so I, especially even in being off time you know a little bit yeah just to give it a little more like it gives it a, it feeling. gives it a chorusy effect like there's chorus on yeah. everything exactly exactly so um i'll bring up one more point and I, we won't stay on this one long because we do want to i do want to get go ahead and try and finish these other two right, songs right. so we can keep this concise the synth and string arrangements are immense. I'm sure. Yeah. Really, it's just something ELO does really well is their synth arrangements. Their synth and strings are gorgeous. Both mm-hmm. mixing sound, just sound in general, and just the the palette that they choose to use to create. Yeah, um, their sound to add to this canvas, you know. Yeah, their soundscapes are always really great. They are. There, there's, there's so many ways in which the their sound could sound could like really get corny. I feel like, you know, there are a lot of bands and uh, and songs that use orchestra and use synthesizers, especially from that time that sound really like cheesy. Yeah, but they really did choose the right sounds and the right, uh, like you said, you know, the right mixing to get all that into a really, really nice sounding sound that doesn't like fade with age yeah but but yeah do you have any other points so, that you want to talk anyways. about before we move on uh no nope all right let's move on to telephone line which is the one i feel like might take a little bit of the longest because it's such a in-depth song bruh <laughs> I think the this I think one. the 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 two big points that we really need to talk about. Oh boy! Are the, oh boy! Are the harmonies and the really good style changes that are in in the song. Yes. Oh my gosh! Well, I mean, we we both know that we love this song because we tried to we we were starting to cover it. I mean, like yeah, the even I, I I'm I'm gonna start going on rants about this, but like <laughs> even like covering it, you know. Just singing those words, like you know, they it, as I've grown older, the they've me- meant more and more to me. You know, mm-hmm. like when I first heard it, you know, I I couldn't relate as much to it. But you know, the more relationships I went through, the more uh, yeah. time went by, you know, the more it meant to me, and it re- really those those lyrics for me are like the most relatable and like, uh, like straightforward to me in from the album, you know? Uh, cause yeah, it's a ballad, you know, it's a, it's a sad ballad in a lot of ways. Um, and, but it just the vocals themselves, you know, I, I could, I could literally speak, about the the vocals in this song uh, you know for the entire segment (laughs) 
<laughs> like yeah, literally, it, just, it's there's so much the, going on with them. J- j- Jeff Lynn's vocals on this song carry the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Like like we were saying in the beginning, his vocals carrying a lot of this band. This song specifically, he carries his it. vocals carry. Absolutely, he has such just emotion mm. in his voice, which oh, yeah. really lends I mean, me to believe, even though this band is very is very much. It, well, it's not even the band. Let's just say, like you know, even though Jeff Lynne is a very story-driven writer, true or fictional yeah. story, right? Just based on this song, I think this this there's no doubt in my mind this song's true for him. Oh yeah, like this oh, has to no, be absolutely. a true song. Yeah, I mean, I mean, think about it. It's it's also from, it, unlike Horace Wimp, it's from a first person perspective. Yeah, so it adds you know, to that it's, whole story of it. Yeah, it makes it really personal, and I like and I like how, before the song, uh, you know, really, really gets into, uh, what it's about. You're 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 led into it very softly with just the, the hello that like. People people always associate "Hello" with like Adele and Lionel Richie, but I always think of Hello. this song. <laughs> no, and, and something else <laughs> way, that I can't way before those two. Something else I think leads into which kind of can go into the style change part of it. The intro on on its own, you know, it's it starts with a telephone. It starts with the with the with the, the I guess waiting. Yeah. The waiting sound when you're waiting for someone to pick up. Yep. But in, and in this weird, the... this weird that you have a weird synth line. They kind of, I think it's meant to replicate a, like, because back, you know, in the 70s, there it was dial boards. You know, you'd call the operator, and they'd be like, all right, like, who do you want to talk to? And they'd be like, oh, this person, and they'd be like, all right, and they put your line into, to connect, they connect the line. Put the line in the literal hole. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so it, it was, it was a very, again, analog thing. So it's yeah. it wasn't like you know today where the, you you call someone and it bounces to a satellite and bounces to their phone, you know, it was very much you had and to wait for the operator to put the line in and then you had to pick then you had to wait for them, someone to pick up and if no one picked up try again yeah. tomorrow. And yet again, even in this song, in that part, you know, he had a uh, he had that telephone effect on his voice. You know, that's something that they had to have engineered. You know, which is also crazy i mean they they use so many vocal effects in a time where you know vocal effects were usually just like a side thing yeah you know but they they were using it for storytelling for emphasis of the lyrics and it's really really well thought out they really did but uh, um find a way to incorporate a lot of style flashy style we'll say flashy style yeah into the, into this specific song you know i think almost musical like you know it was yeah it was very musically flashy of course but it was flashy mm. for the time and now you look at today and it's just like oh he's got a he's oh he sounds like he's coming through an am radio or a telephone it's all mid-range you know you know it's all it's all eq back in the 70s when people yeah. heard this song they were probably like what the fuck was he on the phone today they record him on the phone you know? Yeah, I, I know exactly, exactly. It was it, it was just so much more then. Mm-hmm. But even now, I mean, you know, it served a double purpose of being like introductory an and an effect. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was it was something that uh impressed people at the time but also made sense to the song, which is, you know, that's that's always great to do. Yeah. yeah. All right, and with with that on that note, I would like to go to turn to stone. We in, in you know, the right. time limit that we said we're cutting it real close, but I think we can still last. Yeah. Ah, we can we can go over a little bit. Yeah, it'll be fine. So let's go. Let's still let's turn to stone. I have very little really to say about this that can't be said about everything else on the list. Yep. My main favorite Music part pro- is is the intro, the that synth on that low E. Oh yeah, and the drums fade in. Yeah, that is so good. I'll, I'll say like this song is probably my favorite musically on the album. I agree. Like, like it's it's got like. You know, Blue Sky was was all right as an introductory, but like this song is the best m- musically of yeah. any of them. Just it's just got the great harmonies, great back and forth with the strings and the vocals in the chorus and the verses don't get boring, you know, they've always got that really interesting almost like rolling feeling mm-hmm. with the uh, with the uh, um uh, with the guitar going in, in uh, those circular chords, you know. Um, That's actually a point I made: is that even though it's circular, compared, because uh, here's something I think I, I noticed about the song: it's a very synth and drum-driven song. Yeah, yeah. So I think that the guitar being very cyclical and what in the chords is it it makes it a subtlety. There's a certain subtlety to yep. it that it's it's there. You know it's there, but you don't process it fully. Like you know, obviously, you're listening to a fucking rock band. Of course, there's going to be guitars on it. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's amp, Spinal Tap joke incoming. Amp cranked the fucking eleven. You know, like no, maxed that <laughs> maxed out fucking amp. Natural. Goes up to eleven. Exactly. You know, crank the fuck up and, and, you know, distorted, overdriven guitars. It's, yeah. you know, mild overdrive, mild breakup, enough to give the song mm-hmm. character and get, add, tex- add, add a texture to it. Right. And I think that's something that's super important that adds to the song. But again, I, I think that it's a very synth oriented song, cause especially with the. In the in oh, yeah. throughout yeah. The, that ostinato, and then just at the beginning that do you know that low E on the on that that saw synth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, also, I mean, we also got to talk about that that outro to that song. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one was that's so good, dude. So, so good going like from that straight into that really nice orchestral ending, mm-hmm. you know, that slows it down. And gives it some like acoustic piano, and you know, still keeps that fullness that was in the song, and again, like ends it like it's a, I don't know, like it's a, like we didn't just go through this fucking story. journey on a, with synths. Yeah, exactly. There's exactly. actually this, this this song reminds me not stylistically, but like instrumentally and how it's written, like song structure. Uh-huh. It reminds me a lot of Layla, the Derek and the Domino song, because you know mm-hmm. you got this rock, this rock song going through most of it, and at the end you get a piano with some slide guitar. Yeah, it's a it's a very right. weird story driven song. 
classical classical and metal or rock always go together i don't care what you say yeah always i agree it's just it's just a match made in heaven. it's just fucking fact at this point yeah mm. um oh i had one more thing about this oh, song um the the lyrics are very abstract you know they really do paint a picture comparison. like they like you you don't really like at least for me I, I'm, I'm i'll talk for myself mm. i feel like i don't like in my mind know what's what the song is about but i know like in my heart i know what's about yeah you know it's so like, the lyrics don't make sense visit, like you can't you can literally visualize certain things but like, I mean, yeah the the chorus does make it a little more obvious, but like the the verses are are very abstract and giving you like this, I don't know, just a, like a picture of a something really bleak, but still at the same time everything sounds more bright and like uh like like you're moving forward. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, I don't know, it's it's a really good contrast. It makes a really really interesting feeling. Mm-hmm. But, but um, anyway, I I I'll remember that song for forever. <laughs> I'll show mm-hmm. that to my kids. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so with that, there I obviously I sent you the structure because you know you helped me get this. You're you're the first guest. You're helping me get through this. Yeah. Get this thing yeah. up and rolling. I obviously sent you this little structure I wanted to have to it. Um, I have this thing of like how how is this important to us. But I think we kind of mm-hmm. explained that. Yeah, I think we already kind of. I think that's over. something like. But, I think that that specific one is definitely more yeah. of a that specific, you know, talking point. We'll say is definitely a, a flexible one. It can be throughout the whole thing. It can be all in one 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 block. You know, we've obviously been making it very clear how much this band and this album means to us and how it's oh, influenced absolutely. us this yeah. throughout this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So. We'll try this this recommend thing. Like, do you do you think that this the whole album is like if someone came up to you and was and you, you know you're playing like Mr. Blue Sky and they're like, oh, I love this song, and they're and you were like, do you know anything else by them? And they and they said no, and you knew their music taste. Is this something you would like as a whole recommend, like the whole album, or do you think that it's would... more of a song basis like specific, listen to these songs and you can ignore the rest of the this this greatest hits album i would say this album uh all over the world specifically i think the entire thing is definitely good enough to mm-hmm. be to be recommended like in its entirety because yes there are some songs that aren't as great as others but majority of the songs are like as great as each other mm-hmm. i'd say so yeah I, I mean i would recommend the entire album i like, mean that i would listen i would listen to it from the beginning to end and mm-hmm. you know experience it in its entirety i'm on that same page with you i think that this album has a lot of nuance to it that really again like i said at the beginning shape even to this day the mass impact that this band has had on modern pop culture, music, music culture specifically, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that it's obviously something that people should listen to, 
Especially if they're into the more pop pop rock scene. I think that this is something that's like, if they listen to this album, they'll dive deep. They'll take a deep dive, head first into the rest of the catalog. Yeah, sure, some of the catalog is... Dive, dive, dive. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, and you know me and Nobody can understand. (laughs) No, I can. Listen to the album, you'll understand that reference. (laughs) Exactly. You know, they're taking they'll take a deep dive head first into the rest into the back catalog. Yeah, sure. We oh, yeah. me and you have listened to this whole fu- the whole fucking catalog because we love ELO. Yeah. yeah, sure. Some of the catalog is lackluster. Mm-hmm. But I still think that here's here's my outlook on it when I'm if in terms of me as a musician getting my right. friends into certain bands of music. As long as I can get them to listen to an entire, at least one entire album and get some sort of feedback on it, positive, negative, whatever it may be, I feel successful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I, of, I of course, will recommend this album. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like so many generations have liked it. It really does bring you, like, closer to those generations, yeah. really understanding like uh the or like maybe not just understanding but appreciating the work that goes into a lot of that stuff and and really if you're a musical artist like it'll it'll give you a new perspective on like what's possible even if you're in your you're in your genre or you're in your uh like like we've been saying you're in your you're in your zone yeah, you've you've got your own band. You've got whatever you have. You know, you can make something that sounds awesome and big, or whatever you want it to sound like. It just takes some intuition and some hard thinking. You know. Mm-hmm. But, so really, foot up. But just as a closing mark before we wrap this up. Right, right. Just the closing thing is to any of the musicians listening, any of the wannabe musicians who would want to get into music. Listen to this album. It'll broaden your horizons on what, like you said, what you can do musically in a sonic yeah. sp- in a soundscape. In the sonic space, what can you? It'll really show you how. Even if, like, like I said, also said at the beginning, this literally every single song on this album is a fucking masterclass in songwriting. Oh yeah, it's like not just lyrically, muse instrumentation, musically layering, mixing. You know, all that vocal performance. It's it's yep. very much a every song is a masterclass in doing it. But if you absolutely have to take away, say someone say if to anyone listening, if say you think you don't have time, like say you don't have time to listen to a whole album, like sit down and really enjoy it. Do the song the four songs that we like listen to at least the four songs we talked about today in this episode. Yeah. I think those four songs are the most important on, say, for Mr. Blue Sky. I think they're the most important songs on this album, this you know, this compilation, because yeah. there's so much going on with them. So if you're a musician and you don't think you have time to listen to the full album, at least listen to those four songs. So, um, yeah, I think that about yeah. does it. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Well, hey, thank you for having me. Well, it was, I'll take it you was back pleasure. anytime too, too, but you know I will. Bruh, hopefully the the RNG will hopefully bring the, hopefully the, al- the algorithm will be like <laughs> <laughs> J back, yes sir, boy. Let's go. 
<laughs> hopefully the uh, hopefully oh the uh, the the algorithm goes hee hee hee. Yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm sorry if this thing was kind of a mess and and you know quality. At ah. least for mine was a little weird. I do again. This is the first one, so I'm working out the kinks still. But uh, I appreciate you listening. From the bottom of my heart, I really do. Thank you for listening to episode one of the Phonic Files, and maybe see you next time. Yep. <laughs>